Church family, it's a privilege to be able to share with you today to continue in this series. And I want to invite you at this time to grab a copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, there's one provided for you in the pew rack in front of you if you forgot yours. But if you don't have one, you know, God's Word was a gift to us. And we ask that that could be a gift of ours to you if you would take that copy of God's Word, read it, use it. We know the impact it will have on your life. I also want to invite you to take your listening guide uh, to write down, to kind of follow with me, if you will, that there may be a couple of uh, points and thoughts here that you may want to carry out of this room uh, so that retention's higher and you're able to apply what you hear today. Today, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And Joshua 1, 9 is a verse uh, that is one of the high verses of favorites. A lot of people quote this passage. A lot of people use this passage. This serves as a great passage to encourage us when times are tough, when things aren't easy that are in front of us. And God will continue to uh, use this verse in a powerful way. And so it's a privilege to be able to share this verse with you. But I want to give you some context for this verse so you can understand even deeper the power that is behind this verse as we share. So let me kind of set it up. Moses has just recently passed away. So God comes to Joshua and says, okay, I need you guys to get ready. We're about to go into the, across the Jordan and we're going to go into the promised land that I've given you. Now I want to give you some context to that because at this point, the people of Israel are numbering around 2 million people. So God just shows them, say, look, I just need you to go across the 459. I need you to go down into Hoover and I just need you to take 2 million people with you. Let me put that in context. In Birmingham proper, city of Birmingham and all the surrounding areas, we have 1.2 million people. Kind of gives you some context of the magnitude of that. Second reality here is Joshua is around 90 years old. So next time we ask for volunteers for Kid Life, I don't want to hear from nobody. You can't do it. 90 years old, he shows up and says, look, I need you to take... Everybody, And not only that, when you cross the Jordan, which I'm going to open up, by the way, when you cross it, you're going to have to fight for the promised land. I've given it to you, but you're still going to have to battle for it. What an assignment that he has given him. And yet, throughout this passage, God continues to tell him, be strong and courageous. You know what God's doing? God's giving Joshua a pep talk. He's giving him a pregame speech. Before he starts the game. And we love this, don't we? I mean, we love pregame speeches. We love to see the team on the field down before the games when they start rocking back and forth. They get their chant going. All of a sudden, we hear these people roll tide or these war eagle. Nobody says go, go Tigers. I don't understand that here. <laughs> we love this pregame. We see movies and there's this big inspiration before the big climax of the movie happens and all of a sudden we hear William Wallace ride on his horse across freedom and we just we're ready to charge if it had not been for movies that had inspirational game-winning endings I wouldn't have made it through college you know what I'm talking about well I found a clip that might give us some context to maybe what could have happened for Joshua that day the way it could happen to us let's watch 12 just sounds better. God is sitting with Joshua and he says, you got this. You got this. We're about to go on a journey. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You got this. Ever feel like God 
comes before you and has a journey that's too big? That God must not have had and considered your life stage, even your past, your personality. This is outside of your personality, your current circumstances, your workload. Does he, know, does he not know what's going on in your life? That marriage is hard work and now he's got something else he wants. That parenting, oh, it's just wearing you out. Does God not really know you? God would say to you today, I've got a word for you. I'm perfectly aware of what you're going through. I know you better than you know yourself. And so today as we look at Joshua 1.9, may you find inspiration. May you have a renewed Spirit, because of the relationship potential that you have with God. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. But this verse, it's not fair to quote it as 1 9 without looking at the context of 1 through 9. So if you would, open your Bible, Joshua 1. And let's start with verse 9. And see how God is saying to Joshua, you got this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You got this. Isn't that what your passage says? Isn't that what your scripture says? That's KJV. That's King Jack version, by the way. <laughs> now he says, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We started asking, does God really know us? Does he know what's going on? Yet if you look in this passage, you quickly realize God used the phrase, be strong and courageous three times. Why did, he, why did he do that? Did he forget that he had said it? He needed to repeat himself? Was Joshua not paying attention? So he needed to get a, just right here, be strong, you're not hearing me, be strong. Or maybe he knew something about Joshua that we don't necessarily see in the text. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, there are twice in this passage where Moses is talking to Joshua, and he uses the same phrase. Do you think 
over years of working together as Moses' aide, that Moses may have seen something in Joshua that caused him to have the tendency to be afraid, to not have courage, to doubt, to fear. Joshua's probably a lot like us. God says the same thing to us, and he did this even throughout Scripture. God said to Abraham, do not be afraid, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses on three different occasions, to Gideon, to Elijah, to Hezekiah, to Ezekiel, to Jehoshaphat on two occasions, Jeremiah on two occasions, to Daniel, Zechariah, Mary of Nazareth, to Joseph, to Peter on three occasions, to the disciples on ten different occasions, to Jairus, to Mary Magdalene, to Paul twice, and to John the Beloved, he told them all not to be afraid. Do not become discouraged. And God has a word to say to you and I today. You need to hear God clearly say to you, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged and do not be dismayed. God's got a great word for you in his pep talk today because you realize this courage is not the absence of fear it is in spite of fear it's in spite of our friends it's in spite of the world it's even in spite of ourselves we pursue God more than ourselves more than the world and more than our friends spiritual courage is something very difficult and God knows that about us he knows your personality he knows your past he knows your current circumstance. And yet he chooses to come to you and I and say, be strong, be courageous. You got this. When Trenton, my son, was nine years old, it was a July 4th weekend. We were over at some friends' houses. We were playing. We were having a great time. And towards the end of the afternoon, three boys, nine, two nine-year-olds and one ten-year-old, my son and two of his friends had the audacity to challenge me to an airsoft game. Now, airsoft, you may not know what that game is, but basically, if you went back to the 60s and 70s, they would be playing with real BBs and pellets. Airsoft was a rubberized pellet that you could shoot out of a gun, and it would leave enough of a whelp to say at least you were enough of a man to take it. And these boys challenged me. Oh, no, you do not. You do not challenge a father. Three of them challenging me, and I, I took it serious. I began to scope out the land, and I, I took the challenge. I began to look, where could my best defensive place be? Navy SEAL. I mean, it was all coming out. I was ready to engage. I realized in the front yard, there was more mulch to hide under it that could camouflage me. So as they worked themselves around the corner of the building, I would not be seen. I would be in complete camouflage, and my plan worked. The three of them bounced around the side, unaware of my hidden in the, uh, the bushes and all the stuff that was going there. As typical as any dad would be, I waited till they got close enough where they had no option but to retreat. And they got close enough. I come busting out. It's like slow motion. You've seen it. You know, where they're running, everything. Mulch is going everywhere. Kids are falling out because I'm just, I'm nailing them. We turn the corner, and I realize I have won. My manhood is intact. <laughs> but do I stop there? Oh, no. I follow and begin to pursue. They keep running. They're screaming for parents because that's what little nine-year-olds do. I make the corner until I notice my son 
drops off the back of a brick wall. I run up to the wall and he is on the ground holding his leg. And I realize at this point, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I get on the ground and I look at him face to face and I said, son, it's bad. We're going to have to go to the hospital. You're going to have to get stitches, but you're going to be okay. Not a cry, not a tear, not any fear. Because his father came to him and said, be strong and courageous. God comes to you today. Whatever your assignment, whatever your situation, whatever stage you're in, and God wants to look at you in the eye and he wants you to know, you've got this. Be strong and be courageous. Now the reality is, I know that quoting this verse is much, much harder than living it. So let's jump in and let's look at three things God is telling us in this passage that will help us do more than quote this verse, but to live it and to find more success in it. You got this when. Now I want to stop there before I share any points. Because I think too often what we do when we share a point, a truth of a passage, we miss the entirety of the point if we just look toward the end of the, for the answer. But this point is wrapped up in condition. You see, you and I have it when we do our part. You and I have a responsibility to fulfill what God asks of us. And too often we are holding God accountable to the results of our own disobedience. We continue to act as if God failed us when we failed to own up to our part of the deal. And God says several things in this passage that it would be unfair to quote Joshua 1.9 without being obedient to Joshua 1 through 9. And so as we share this, as we explore this, as we expand on this, understand that you and I have a responsibility. That God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. But there are some things you need to do as a part of this journey. And if you'll do those, it's going to be a great journey. And that's why God comes to Joshua and says, just be strong and courageous. Do what I ask you to do. And it's going to be an incredible ride. So let's look. First point, you got this when you lean on God's presence. When you lean on God's presence. Look at verse 5. No one, underline it, circle that, post it somewhere. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never give you an assignment. He expects to be fulfilled alone. God will never give you an assignment. He expects to be fulfilled alone. God knew very well the assignment he was giving to Joshua was bigger than he could handle. He knew that there was no way he could do it on his own. God gives you and I assignments that he knows you and I cannot ever fulfill on our own. Does that mean God wants us just to be miserable because we seem to fail, fail, fail? That we seem to make mistake, mistake, mistake? That the task is too big for us to accomplish? No. God wants us to realize that we can't do it on our own. 
that we must lean into him. Did he give Joshua an assignment too big that he could handle? Yes. But not an assignment so big that they could not handle it. God wants us to grab a hold of that truth and understand that there's a responsibility and an opportunity to lean into God. When we lean on ourselves, we know it doesn't work. You've tried it. Look at your track record. That's why we read in Proverbs where God says to lean not on your understanding, but to trust, to trust God and his ways. When we lean ourselves, we come up short. But there exists, in reality, this spiritual cosmic tension between God's sovereignty of what he wants for us and man's free will. And God will not bust into a place he's not welcome. God will not deliver if you're not wanting his help. He says, I'm a strong tower, but yet you have to walk under it. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's going to be there with you. But he also says, lean into my I'm going to be right there with me. But you have to lean on me in this time. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I will yoke up with you. And together, together we'll walk this journey. It's not God's responsibility to take on the burden of the responsibility. God's responsibility is says, I will walk with you on the journey. Because that's what God wants. God wants to walk with us. Not ahead of us. And not without us. You and I have an opportunity to lean on God. Have you stopped leaning? Have you started running and being the boss again? Have you cho- because you're not like the results you're seeing? Because you don't like the pace at which the answers that you want or the answers aren't what you want. And so now you've got to jump in and make them yourselves. Have you pushed God away? You got this when you lean on God's presence. Number two, you got this when you trust in God's promises. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Interesting that every current promise he makes or declaration he makes to Joshua, he follows up with a promise that he made in the past. So what he's doing in the present, he is supporting with the past. I will give you every place where you set your foot today, tomorrow, as I promised Moses. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them from the past. Do you trust in God's promises? Do your actions show that you trust in God's promises? You know, it's very natural for us to say that. No different than when we get to church and somebody says, how you doing? Great. You may have had a fight on the way in the, in the car. You may have had a horrible day, a horrible week at work. Life may have hit you in the gut, yet when someone says, how you doing? We go, fine. It's all good. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. It's all good. It's a, but right there. Do you trust him with your actions? Do your actions support that you truly trust God, even though you may not have the answers? You may not know what's ahead. Do you trust? God makes a lot of promises to us. And I wanted to revisit because if you're at a place where you're not trusting right now, I want to remind you of some of the promises that God has so blessed us with. He promises to supply every need we have. That his grace is sufficient for us. 
that he will always provide a way out of every temptation, that we will have victory over death, that all things work together for good to those who love and serve him faithfully. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, they will be saved. You will have, his people will have eternal life. And that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Some beautiful promises that you and I need to claim. If you're having a hard time trusting God in the promises, I want to invite you to begin writing down some of those promises. One of my life verses is John chapter 13, verse 7. My father died when I was two years old. And for 16 years, I consistently asked God why. It's a fair question. For 16 years, I asked him. And I was over to a friend's house, and there was a Bible on the table of the, in the kitchen. And I remember going over and thinking, really consciously thinking, I'm going to give God another opportunity to answer my lifelong question. And so I did as any, any 18-year-old theological teenage boy would do. I opened the Bible and just put my finger on a verse. Ever do that? What am I going to read today? Well, I'm just going to open it up and boom, put my finger down and let God speak to me. So I did it and I can can't tell you what verse I landed on. But being a nice guy, and I'm a nice guy, I just, I thought I'd give God an opportunity to fix it. So I flipped again and I landed on John chapter 13, verse 7. This is what it says. Jesus said unto them. And this is red letter words here. Okay? Jesus said unto them, You do not understand my ways now, but you will later. Hmm. That's a game changer. That's a game. It's not a game changer if I don't have a past with God. It is a game changer if I trust in God's promises. You see, even at 18, I was able to look back and go, You know, God showed up here. God fulfilled a promise here. God fulfilled a promise here. And today, he says, you don't understand, Jack. You may not be old enough. You may not be mature enough. You may not be ready to understand. But you will later. And so what I did is I claimed that promise. I claimed that promise, and it wasn't very far out. Where I had a real peace about the answer that God revealed to me. There may be a promise you need to claim. Where you are and on the journey, what you're facing may seem like a Jordan River, may seem like the walls of Jericho. God wants you to begin to claim promises. As I was with you then, I will be with you now. What a great opportunity you and I have on this journey. You got this when you trust in God's promises. Number three, you got this when you obey and meditate on God's word. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. A lot of people debate over why very is in this passage at this point. I conclude that the reason very is in this this particular verse, the third time it's been shared, is because the magnitude of what God was about to share. That this may be the thing that's going to require the most courage of anything he's asked. Not that they trust in his presence. Okay, I can do that. Not that I trust in his promises, but that you obey. 
may be the very reason God waits to this point to says, be strong and very courageous. Because this means you're going to have to go against the people. You're going to have to go against the world. It's not even going to make sense to you, but you need to obey. And in obeying, it's going to be incredible what success you find. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. Where do you begin in this passage? There's a lot of stuff in these two verses. And so let's start at the beginning. Be careful or be wise. Basically, pay close attention to obey. Now, I want to stop there because what this doesn't say is be careful to read. Too often we read Scripture, but we don't obey Scripture. In a world where we get consumed with checking off the box that I have my quiet time, that I've read the Bible through in a year, that I've done my Bible reading today, that often we skip over the obedience portion at the sake of reading. And this does not say be very careful to read the Bible. It says be careful to obey the Bible. Every time you read scripture, you should ask yourself, is there something I need to confess because of what's been revealed? Is there some promise I need to claim? Is there some command I should obey? When you read scripture, do you just read it or do you obey it? Because if you doubt God, you're disobeying it. If you don't forgive others, you're disobeying it. If you don't trust God, you're disobeying it. If God is not Lord, you're not obeying. And he goes further. He says, don't only obey it, but don't twist it. Don't justify it. Don't turn to the left and don't turn to the right. You obey exactly what it says. Then you will find success. That's when you will find success. We continue to blame God for the results of our life even when we choose to be disobedient to what Scripture says. And too often we take a verse like this and we say, well, I'm obedient in this, but there are other areas in our life that we knowingly are disobedient. And do we not think that disobedience in one area of our life does not impact all areas? That we may be good with the top five, but God says, I want to talk to you about the bottom five. I want to talk to you about that closet, Scripture says, that you won't let him go into. Those things you do when no one's looking. Those things you think, those things you see, those things you watch, those things you do. That you know are against my will. And yet, you hold me accountable. He didn't say, be obedient to the word that has to do with the situation in life you're facing. He said, be obedient to all of it. Don't twist it. Don't justify it. Don't excuse it. Don't say, well, that was then and this is now. That has no relevance for us today. That doesn't mean anything for me today. God says, why are you surprised? He says, he said this. That's when you will prosper. That's when you will find success is when you obey. Verse 8. Keep the book of the laws always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, good word to circle, then you will be prosperous and successful. 
So what's it mean to meditate on it day and night, to keep it on our lips? Does that mean we're supposed to walk around with our Bible all day? Does that mean we're supposed to not even have conversations with people, just focus on God? No. It does mean we're supposed to be thinking about God more than the world. So for the next couple of minutes, what I'd like to do is talk to you about input streams that you and I have. You and I have input streams that come at us every day, all day long. And you and I get to choose what those are. And you and I get to choose the content of those streams. And they, that content may very well be deciding our success rate with God. Let me explain. If you had a 30-minute quiet time with God every day, and that's, you welcome, that's good. Most of us don't have 30 minutes that we can uninterrupted quality time with God where we read, reflect, and meditate on Scripture. But I'm going to give that to you today. And so you got this much of God in your day. You start off, man, you did it in the morning. You did it before the sun comes up. God's not even up that early. So I don't understand how you're doing that. And you got 30 minutes with God. And then you enter the rest of your world. And the songs you listen to on the radio. The blogs that you read. The TV and movies that you watch. You binge on Netflix for 14 seasons. All the sports that you're watching, the news, the friends that you follow, the friends that you hang out with at lunch, the friends at the office and what they're talking about, the books that you read, your own self-talk, the playlist that you listen to, the people that you follow and what they're posting, everything you do on the internet. These are all the input streams you're allowing to come in. And my question to you is simple. Are those streams... Helping you be more like God or more like the world? Do the streams that you listen to and the content you choose help you be more like God, more like Jesus, or more like the world? Because why do we think we're going to gain any ground if we let this much of God in our world and this much of the world? Does this mean I don't listen to music? Absolutely not. I love music, I love movies, I love friends. I love to read, but if all I read is leadership books, I'm not putting more of God in me. I'm putting more of the world. If all I listen to is secular music, negative music, I would say, then I'm not putting more. And what I realize is I only have a limited amount of time to give to my input streams. So I'm going to determine the content. And it may cause you to evaluate, but I know this about me. I can tell in my life when I'm listening more to the world than I am to God. I can tell when I'm out of balance. I can tell when I've listened to too much of this, watched too much of this, read too much of this, and not had enough God. Therefore, I determine my own success rate by the content of the input streams that I have. It's going to be very difficult to obey and to meditate if what you're meditating on isn't pushing you to be more like Jesus, but more like the world. You got this when you obey and you meditate all day long on God. When you put more of God in your life than the world in your life. Very simple. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You got this. 
when you lean on God's presence, when you trust in God's promises, when you obey and meditate on God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And we ask for the courage to be honest, to evaluate ourselves, to see where we are. God, you've revealed things today that we need to do business with, we need to work on. God, the worst thing we could do today is to just hear the word and not respond, not make any life change this next week. And I just pray we'll have the courage to do that. In the name I pray, amen.